Leafs fans, welcome back to Game Over. Uh, I am your host, Lauren, as always. And on the other side of the stream, we have the one and only Tara Sloan from the Sharks. Welcome, Tara. I know that you have been on Game Over before, uh, but not with Toronto. Is that right? That is correct. I did a Flames game kind of early on. So Okay. Uh, My condolences, (laughs) because they were not very good last year. And luckily, the Leafs managed to scrape out a win, which is great. Historically, when we've had a a bigger-name guest, which you actually happen to fall into the category of, um, the Leafs end up losing terribly. And it was close. It was very nearly that tonight. But the Leafs pull out a big win. Callie Yarncrook with a two-goal night. Matthews with a two-goal night. 6-5 in Toronto to beat Tampa Bay. So we're going to talk about the game. We're going to take your questions and we're going to talk all about hockey. We're going to talk about some other things. We're going to talk about Tara and we're going to talk all of that here on Game Over by SDPN. So, Tara, I know that you're not a Leafs fan. I know you probably don't get an opportunity to watch a lot of the Leafs. So, as an objective opinion, on a scale of 1 to 10, how accurately did you protect, predict the end of the game at, let's say, the end of the first period? Um, I, I think I knew it was going to obviously, yeah, I, I was pretty certain it was going to end up in a, in a tie and going to overtime, um, sort of seems to be the way. And listen, I have a lot of sympathy for fans and for teams that are desperately in need of a win. And, you know, luckily for Toronto, it went their way tonight, but you know, I, I hate to be a walking hockey cliche, but it's clear, I, I, I know the whole, you know, I've, I've been reading up and I do follow enough. Um, but being on the West Coast, obviously I'm focused on my team. Yeah. Um, you know, but I know, yes, they, they need um, more scoring from the depth forwards. I, I understand all the things, you know, all these new faces need to actually start to produce. What just struck me is um, you have to, what is it? You have to, you know, you have to play a 60 minute game and that's, not what happened they but they they got lucky and they obviously they get bailed out by the big guns absolutely and not only that but some big goaltending later on in the game obviously we're going to talk about uh goal scoring and lack thereof that can exist which i know you're unfortunately familiar with and of course the dichotomy of having a goalie which on paper seems like a good goalie and having them turn into unfortunate swiss cheese um so yeah obviously (laughs) all of those defensive woes are there and the Leafs do manage to scrape out a win in arguably a game that at the beginning of the game they had no chance of winning and they didn't really deserve to win but they do what they're able to do against Tampa sometimes, which is pull out a win when maybe they're not going to be able to. So let's talk about it. Right from the beginning of the game, uh, Nyes gets the Leafs on the board right away, which was great. Um, Matthew Nyes is one of our, our obviously, our highest end rookies. He was a, 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 a later in, the, I think he was like a second round pick. And it, there are a lot of people that are saying that if the, if the draft was to be redone for that year, he would easily fall within the top 20. And it's easy to see tonight, right? Like he's a big Mm -hmm. guy he's like six foot two and 21 years old not playing like a 21 year old and he gets it in right from uh austin matthews and mitch marner to start off the game and the tampa bay lightning do what unfortunately a lot of teams have been able to do which is capitalize on the leafs right after the leafs score a goal and the barrage came quick and it came hard headman kucherov kucherov and then Braden point to finish off the fourth leading to the leafs actually being booed off the ice as they left for the first <laughs> that intermission. That feels great. Yeah, I mean, listen, the, the the three guys you just mentioned are lethal. Yeah. And, and we know that. And so um, yeah. you better be playing your best uh, opposite them. 
Absolutely. And even though, you know, on the West Coast, you might not get a chance to see them all the time. You you get a, a different kind of opportunity when you maybe watch East Coast games a little bit, right? I mean, I'm sure the, the tie, it's what, three o'clock in the afternoon when your game, when the game starts for you? Like, not, not yeah, a lot today of- started at four, but I mean, you know, the nice thing is you do get to, you can watch a full night of hockey. Right. Um, and watch the East and the West. But yeah, it's, it's, I mean, but listen, I've only been here for just over a year. So I, I've followed the East plenty. Um, so yeah, just, yeah, the West is new to me. Yeah. The, the, the East Coast is a different kind of slog. The West Coast is quickly becoming a, you know, its own kind of monster, though. Even though a lot of people kind of discredit the West Coast, the last couple of years, especially with Vegas taking over, and some teams actually now having a final upswing. Like, the Kraken have been, like, a slow rise, but they got farther into the playoffs than anybody was looking to give them credit for last year. And I think that those teams are going to continue to take steps. And I think that the Sharks, even though, you know, last season and this season might not be their best, the fact of the matter is, and I talked about this yesterday on the uh, Over the Glass podcast that I was on, that I know that you've been on before, um, that all it takes is one good season for the tide to turn, and then all of a sudden, you know, the Sharks are back in it. It was only a couple years ago that the Sharks were far into the playoffs, right? Like, it's amazing how quickly the pendulum swings one way to the other, right? Well, a lot of people use Colorado as an example. You know, they were, they barely won any games, and look what happened. So, um, yeah, it's it's obviously it's very painful for everybody involved. I, I walk, you know, I'm I'm underneath the bowels uh, uh, of the rink doing ringside sometimes, and you know, it's I just like I can't even. I walk past the GMs, and I just like I want to avert my eyes. It's just really rough um, because I don't think anybody expected to be on top of the world, but nobody expected this. So, um, looking forward to that time when the tide does turn. Absolutely. And, you know, the tide turns with the sharks. Ha ha ha. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, listen, the Leafs are not maybe having the start that a lot of us hoped and expected that they would have. But so, you know, in in fairness, like the Leafs have been pretty hard. The Leaf fans have been pretty hard on the team because we have these super high expectations, even though they've kind of gaslit us into believing that there's no real reason for that to happen. But, you know, I, I really do think that a couple seasons or a couple games can really sway the momentum of a whole season. And it's still November, right? Like I'm not saying, you know, put mm-hmm. the, not my, the sharks are like my dark horse for, to make the playoffs, but you know, you get a couple picks, make a couple trades next year. You guys have so much cap space coming off the books that there's going to be so much opportunity to, to, for good change to happen that I don't see how good change doesn't come. You guys have a great location. I know we're getting off topic, everybody. We're going to get back to oh, the <laughs> yes, but Sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> don't don't apologize at all. Because the fact of the matter is, is, you know, us Leaf fans, we criticize the Leafs in games where they're even winning, right? Like, the Leafs win tonight, and they're, I still have so many negative notes. And right. it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, it's a, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like a weakness. Tough market? Yes. Well, (laughs) tough. That's putting it delicately. Um, It's a blind spot that we don't seem to recognize that there are Mm -hmm. other teams that are actually struggling really hard at the bottom of the standings. And we think, oh, it's the Leafs. And, you know, why isn't our team good? But it's not necessarily the the tire fire that we think it is. Um, No, it is certainly not. No, certainly not. And confirm. Yeah. Yeah. And even though the Leafs get booed off, you know, to, to end the first period and, you know, our goalie gets pulled with five minutes to go and he was really frustrated. And, you know, we all feel for that because no matter what mm-hmm. team you're on, even if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning, even if you're Boston, at some point your goalie's been pulled when they haven't been playing well. And unfortunately, Samsonov has not been playing well so far in the last, 
what was it? The last seven periods, he's let seven goals and on 17 shots. Like he's he's had a rough yeah. outing. So that's uh, not great. The Leafs end the first period not doing good, and then it's like a different team comes back in the second. Right from the beginning, the second line of uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, John Tavares, and William Nylander, you know, get a really good opportunity. Sam Buonwa gets a chance, and then the revolution comes back, right? Matthews gets a goal. Um, Matthews gets another goal before the end of the second, and the Leafs end up ending the second period only one goal down. And it it was like a different team came on the ice in the second period. I don't know if it's just a case of, you know, the, the team has a goalie that they feel confident in, and so they feel like they can make a little bit better of plays. It just looked like a different team from the end of the first to the second Tara, do you see the same thing I did, or am I just like smoking the the least? No, absolutely. Here? And I do think. I mean, listen, the, those intermissions. I mean, I, I I'd love to be a fly on the wall because sometimes sometimes it's a coach, you know, kind of lighting that fire. But there's some veteran leadership on this team too, and so it it could be, you know, one of the players just saying like, okay, we're we're better than this. Who knows? Who knows? But I, my theory is that there was quite a a pep talk and, and a rallying cry um, because yeah, the energy just completely shifted. Yeah. Right from the, right from the beginning of the second period, it seemed like the Leafs just decided to show up, which is an ongoing problem that the Leafs have had. Again, we're talking about like small world problems here. This is a win. And I'm like, Oh, they were so bad in the first period, but sometimes you, you win games that you don't deserve to. And sometimes you lose games you deserve to win. And so for the Leafs to come out and push back at the second, even though they don't tie it until the third period, it really felt like they got their feet back in the game, which was so good to see. And then the fourth, the third period comes out. Callie Yarncroke comes out getting an excellent, excellent play by Max Domi and Nick Robertson, Nick Robertson, who Tara, I don't know if you know anything about Nick Robertson. Um, He's one of our rookies has had a bad string of luck when it comes to injury the last couple of years. Yeah, no, I know that. I know the Robert, I know of the Robertsons. Right. Right. And, uh, and so he comes out and he looked so good all game. He, he seemed to really get in the passing lanes. He was doing a couple really good zone holds for the Leafs, and it was just really good to see. And then Marner gets another goal, what, eight seconds afterwards, and all of a sudden the Leafs are on top. And just like that, pendulum swings the other way, right? And all of a sudden Tampa's chasing the game again. I mean, everybody knows the most dangerous lead in hockey is 401. <laughs> right? Some some would say, yeah, some would say 4-1. Yeah. Some would say by two. Some would say a two-goal lead is the most dangerous. But you're right. I think two goals? Really? I don't know if I've heard that yeah. one. That's clearly a, I could have just made it up. That's an upper circle West Coast thing. It must be an upper coast <laughs> West Coast thing. <laughs> it's Nor it's a NorCal thing. Yes, that's it. NorCal. Oh my gosh, don't kill me. Um, but you know, the Leafs end the first period with booze, and by halfway through the third period, Wool is getting go Leafs go chance going. And it was just it was just as soon as Marner gets that 5-4 goal, it felt like everyone was so jazzed in the building. And unfortunately, Tampa Bay uh, does what they do, and they tie the game with two minutes and 25 seconds to go. It's You know, it's really unbelievable. Like, even though Tampa is a little bit of an older team, they play so well, like, all the time. Even though tonight mm-hmm. they lost, they just look so connected as a unit. They looked so... They know where each other's going to be without looking. And that feels like something that both of our teams are struggling with. Like both the Leafs and the Sharks recently have really had a hard time knowing where the other players are going to be without quadruple checking over their shoulder. Well, they have, I mean, listen, Tampa has its core intact. They know 
they know how to play, they know how to compete and mm-hmm. they know how to win. Um, the Leafs have more of a core, certainly, than the Sharks do. The Sharks are just like a whole bunch of new people <laughs> thrown together. Um, and our coach, David Quinn, has certainly said this isn't a team yet. Um, so that would explain it. But I guess going back to the Tampa example, Tampa's a team, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so, yeah, you're right. Like it's an aging team, but they're still a team and they still understand um, who needs to play what role when. Yeah. There's no question about what everybody's job is or what people's duties are. There's no, there's so few missed assignments on Tampa, I find. Like, if I try and, like, take a step back sometimes and just watch, it's hard when I'm going to, like, stream after the game because I have to take so many notes. But the Mm. other night I was able to watch the game against Buffalo, and I'm sure you probably missed that game, but it was really. I was in the press. Yeah, I was, I was getting ready for my game. Right. Well, it's. I found that it was really interesting, at least for me, to like take a step back and watch how the other team is playing, just because it it feels like it. I get more answers, a lot of answers that I wasn't really expecting about how my team plays in watching mm. the reads that the other team plays against my team. Again, I know that's kind of meta-braining everything, but no, no. I mean, I, I think that's yeah, super helpful for sure. And and I know that I know that you grew up a Habs fan, so you didn't necessarily grow up a Sharks fan, but I'm I'm sure that it's different. And this was actually leading into my first question here. Um, I'm sure that it's different being in California and watching hockey than it is north of the border, right? Like it, it just is a different breed, and I'm sure it's different all over the states. But you know, you you grew, you were born in Montreal, you grew up in Halifax, you lived in Toronto at one point, and so you've experienced multiple Canadian markets. And so, how has it been for you going to Cal, going to NorCal, and seeing how different it is? <laughs> so obnoxious. I know. Uh- you know, the first Sharks game I went to, I was really excited because, you know, this is, yes, a relatively new hockey market. The Sharks didn't exist until 1991. Um, they've This has been a pretty spoiled uh, market, though. The fans had, a I mean, there was a lot of success for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a it's just a really different demographic here. You know, it's in, in Canada, I would say, and probably in the, the Northeast, you know, people are like generational hockey fans and generational season ticket holders, and it's more corporate. Here, there's a lot of youth. Um, there's a lot of racial diversity. I'm, you know, it's, there's obviously a big Hispanic population here, and they're like, it's it looks really different. Um, it's there's it's one of the best ranks when it's full and when it's exciting. Um, and anybody coming in, any players who have played here in, in big games will tell you, like, it's because it's on the older side, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not, you know, how, like, um, I get my Rogers mixed up. Rogers Place in Edmonton is, like, those newer ranks can be a bit muted right. sound-wise. There's just noise bouncing off the walls at SAP Center. So, it, like, when it's loud, it's really exciting. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, obviously the the fever um, of hockey – isn't the same Mm -hmm. it is for the fans who are in themselves rabid but you know hockey is not number one here and it's not number two right it's not number three i was gonna say it might not even be in the top three yeah no it's not and i'm so you know there's you have to work harder to grow the game here which i think the sharks really do a wonderful job of outreach and being in the community and and having you know, pads all across the area where people can learn to skate. Um, And, you know, it's harder to find hockey stories, but, but they're there. 
They're there to be unearthed. And it's, yeah. And I got to say, when I walk out of that rink and it's much warmer and <laughs> I, there's palm trees, I don't hate that. I, I, you know, I did hometown hockey for eight seasons. I mm -hmm. put in my time in yeah. the minus 30s. You so. paid your dues for sure. And as, as someone that has lived in Canada their whole life and has only actually been to California once, I get the whole appeal of palm trees now. And it's funny, my wife is actually from, like, she's actually from New Mexico. Um, and so she, when we were drove through California, we went on this big road trip. She was like, what's with you and palm trees? I was like, you don't understand. Like, this is not a thing. Like, I go to, like, botanical gardens to see one palm tree in Toronto. Like, yeah. I don't blame you at all for going to California. There are certainly worse places that you could cover hockey, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, listen, it just, my life took this turn and luckily I got the only hockey related jobs I could possibly get here. So um, in this world of tech, I, I work in hockey, which is amazing. So yeah, but the, no, no complaints when it comes to the weather. That's for sure. That's definitely for sure. Um, before we get any further, I'm going to do a really quick ad read, everybody. So just hang on with me. Tara, Tara's going to be right back. Uh, our sponsor this season so far the, is Betstamp. So the NHL is heating up and there has never been a better time to get in on the action. Whether you're looking to hammer on Austin Matthews anytime goal or ride the puck line with the Montreal Canadiens, our partner at Sign Up Expert want to make sure you are ready to sweat your bets with one of the best. Sign Up Expert is looking is looking to hook up our listeners with one of the newest sports book available in Canada, Betano. Betano is home to one of the best odds when it comes to betting on the NHL and offers unique markets, including virtual soccer and basketball. All you have to do to get started is scan this QR code right on top of the screen or click the description to register and place that first bet. If you thought the Vancouver Canucks have been the surprise of the season so far, wait until you try Batano. Don't walk, run to check out Batano today. Scan that QR code again or hit the link in the description to get started and don't and start sweating your bets with the best. Always remember to bet responsibly and within your means. Viewers must be 19 plus to sign up. Please play it responsibly. So, yeah, uh, like I said, California is certainly a different place to play and a different hockey demographic, which is something I'm actually really glad that you brought up because it was actually one of my mm -hmm. questions for this segment. Um, you know, Austin Matthews is from uh, Arizona. Well, he was born in California. He was born enough, in California. But yeah. grew up in Arizona. And Matthew Nye also from California or from Arizona and Tage Thompson from the Buffalo Sabres. So even though there's maybe not as overwhelming amounts of influence in terms of you know, influence on youth in, involving hockey in the Southwest. It's definitely a growing trend, right? And even Absolutely. last night, there was a the player from um, on Boston, their new their new rookie. He's like the first player that's ever been drafted from Louisiana, which is banana cakes to me. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even know there was places in the states that like don't have players in the NHL. I mean, it makes sense, right? I don't I don't imagine that Baton Rouge is overwhelming with hockey rinks, but it's. It's interesting that only now are some of these demographics being tapped into. And I'm actually like really excited about the idea of hockey becoming, I hate to say it, less of just a white person sport. Like, guys, yeah. we need some different colors in the locker rooms. We need some different people. And those people are already in the league. We already have lots of players of color, but not nearly enough. And all diversity does is make us better as a sport, as people, and as teams, it makes all of us better to have people from different walks of life, from different experiences, because in my opinion, and maybe you agree with me here, Tara, everybody can teach you something. And the more diversity you have in your life, the better everybody is for it. 
Yeah, I mean, that. I think anybody who knows me knows I feel exactly the same way. Um, and I'm always, you know, I'm, I'm kind of baffled when um, sort of efforts to, to grow the game on the NHL side <laughs> seem to be going backwards because really the only hope, um, again, like down here, hockey's not number one, mm -hmm. but there are tons of people who just need, you need to get their feet in a, in skates. You know, there's lots of opportunity to grow the game. There's, there's untapped resources and untapped markets, but you have to market it differently. Yep. Um, you know, sometimes teach people differently. Um, I was speaking to a gentleman named Mahal who has, a a show that is geared towards um, South Asians, Indians in particular. And he said, you know, we have to really break things down in a very rudimentary way. Like, so, you know, he's growing all this interest in the Indian community in the Bay Area, but you have to do it differently. You can't assume that people know even anything. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I absolutely look forward to hockey being a great mosaic of humanity yeah and i know that there's a lot of things that um like i know in canada they have like the mandarin um the mandarin shows and the mandarin musicians and they also have the same one with hockey night in canada with uh harner ryan Singh. i believe he does he still does like the the um the shows in other languages as well and that's one of the very small things i mean canada's you're you're from here you know how many people are are not from here so you know especially with new Canadians, at least in Canada, one of the mm -hmm. things that we need to do is we may need to make it more accessible to everybody. Like hockey Absolutely. in and of itself is an expensive store to begin with, let alone when you're trying to buy your kid new stuff every year, right? And I know in Canada, we have things like play it against sports and there are, there are things in place to try and make it a little bit easier. But if we need to make it easier, we need to make it more accessible. And so- mm -hmm. It's interesting. I'm I'm glad that you're so involved with it. And it was part of the reason I was so excited with having you on the show is I know that you've championed not only women in sports and, and the queer community as well, but people of all communities, even if you don't if you're not necessarily a part of it. And it's you know, it's one of the it's one of the things that I think you've done really well for hockey. And I don't I'm not trying to pump your tires or anything, but it's we need more people like you in hockey because so many oh, of thanks. of the existing problems are because they're old ideas in old minds that haven't had to adjust because they're comfortable in their shoes and they like their own shoes too much to try on someone else's. And so yeah. I totally agree with you in the fact that our sport, this sport is only going to get better and all of us are better when we have more people from other places to teach us new things. Because I like, I'm so jazzed for like, you know, the first like Korean player to come over and play in the NHL. Like that's going to be so awesome for the sport. And it's only going to make hockey better all around the world because the NHL, while that's what we're talking about, we're talking about some of the NHL teams, you know, hockey is a worldwide sport, whether we like to register it or not, right? There are Australian hockey teams there, are, you know, the Swedish, Swedish teams are huge in Russia. It's a huge thing as well. And I think that hockey is, I mean, hockey is my favorite sport far and away. And I think that so many people just don't know what they're missing because it's hard to get into. So one of the mm -hmm. things that I encourage the people that I spoke to on the podcast yesterday was just trying to make the, their podcast as accessible to everybody as possible to try and get more people being like, ah, I've always wanted to watch this thing about hockey. So, you know, kudos to you for doing such a good job. <laughs> well, uh, you know what? I honestly, I, I really credit my time on hometown hockey because we started to see our own tendencies when we were seeking stories. We'd be like, wait a minute. Like all of our stories are about white 
dudes. Yeah. And so we would catch ourselves, you know, and we were admittedly like we were a, a room of white people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we had a, you know, enough self-reflection among us to be like, you know what, if we're just telling stories about white dudes, we're not, we're not capturing Canada properly. Right. That's, that's not what it is. Um, and so we went out of our way to look for, you know, to go against our biases, really, mm-hmm. um, and, tr- you know, do the best job we could telling the story of, of all Canadians, um, because they are there, you know, yep. we weren't making stuff up, um, but you can just easily kind of, you know, funnel it one way, um, and that just becomes a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. Absolutely, because... Then all of a sudden, like you said, the whole show ends up white as the ice, right? And that's not what what hockey is. It's not. There's lots no. of lots of colors of the rainbow in hockey, and uh, and I'm really glad that you were able to be a part of recognizing that that bias was happening and being part of the team that righted it. So again, not to pump your tires, but like good <laughs> on you. Um, one of my other questions that I had was, you have had the opportunity to work in a number of very different public industries. You've worked in the music industry, you worked in film and television, and you're obviously now working, uh, you have a long history of working in hockey, like you said with hometown hockey, but now working with the Sharks and NBC Sports. So as someone that's had experience over all of those very um, publicly and well-known you know, paths to go down. Um, do you think having experience in like the music and TV industry helped you sort of navigate, navigate the weeds in the, in the hockey industry? Yeah. I mean, I think um, one thing those industries have in common is they are quite male dominated. Right. Um, so, you know, but I mean, I guess most are, um, but in terms of, you know, just being sort of public facing, um, developing a a work ethic, you know, for me, my music career and, and I credit my bandmates and enjoy drop back in the day. Like I was just a babe in the woods. I was just, I, I I didn't realize how much work it was. Mm -hmm. And from the outside, I don't think people understand how hard musicians have to work. Um, and so, you know, for me, work ethic and, and sort of passion and really, really digging in, like, and, but everything just sort of led in into one another for me. I was, I just feel really fortunate. Like I, you know, I was in the entertainment business. Then I got the opportunity to be an entertainment reporter. Then I, you know, really wanted to steer myself towards sports and hockey in particular and, and had the opportunity to do that. So, you know, ev- everything, even though it seems like I have a really strange trajectory career wise, um, everything has just kind of rolled, rolled into one. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm grateful for all of it. You know, I've, I've done some weird and interesting things, I guess. <laughs> it's, it's been as someone that followed your music career and your TV career. And obviously there's not a lot of super famous, like female Canadians that are involved with hockey. There's just not, at least that aren't players, right? You're one of mm-hmm. a very slim margin of people. And so, you know, I think I don't I want I don't want to say that you've had to reinvent yourself, but 
you've sort of reinvented your career at all of these different points and you've been able to find success. And I think it's because of that work ethic that you said you had from the music industry. And, um, you know, if, if you are watching this chat and you don't know where Tara Sloan is from, she was in a <laughs> wonderful band called Joy Drop. They were, um, like I said, one of my favorite bands when I was growing up. Uh, they were lost too soon, in my opinion. But uh, we gained you in other ways, which has been great because it's been <laughs> obviously fascinating to watch your entertainment career, like I said, go from music to enter the being right on the television to being on television with hockey. And now you're, you're full on working in the hockey industry. So um, it's been an interesting and, and fantastic ride watching you excel at everything that you do. So um, I'm super Thank stoked you. to have you on here tonight. Um, one of the other things that you have been involved in is the docu-series Top of Her Game, which again, in my opinion, was a series that was cut way too short, highlighting mm -hmm. the highs and lows of being a female professional athlete in all different types of sports. Um, and as the PWHL is becoming more of a thing and that season is growing closer and closer even though i know that california doesn't have a team yet um you you must be excited as someone that's in that's been involved with hockey for a long time to see this come about oh my gosh i'm thrilled um i'm thrilled because it just seemed like we were at this impasse for so long um the pwha you know splintered off and you know these women really held out for um, the right situation. You know, there was, I think, a lot of pressure to be like, but you guys should be playing. And they did their their Dream Gap tours and, um, you know, these tournaments. But they really, I think, seem to have done it right. Like, they are this uh, the first league to be starting with a collective bargaining agreement already in place. Um, and that's how it had to be because, you know, after everything, all the chaos of um, the league's folding and then the PHF and all the drama, you, this is your one shot um, to prove, I think, at this really crucial juncture when it comes to women's sport and women's sport viewership, mm -hmm. uh, you got one chance to get it right this time. And so I, it seems that way. Um, they, you know, they waited for everything to fall into place. So We'll see. Like, I, I think they're wise to start with six teams and see how it goes and, and grow from there. But it's going to be best on best on best on best on best. It's, I mean, that's that's what you want. That's what we've all been waiting for. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm so excited, and I'm so excited, you know, for the future. I'm so excited for you know, young people who are watching, um, and you know, young young girls who can say I I have somewhere to go beyond college hockey potentially. Um, and for boys to like see women excelling at hockey and, and not think that we can't keep up. Right. And it not just be like a world championship scenario, right? Like right. we get best on best, but it's once a year, twice a year max if the Olympics are involved. And so, you know, what you said about, the boys wanting the boys to see how hard the girls mm -hmm. can play. Listen, man, I don't know. I don't know how many times, like when I was growing up, I was watching Haley Wickenheiser play in the Olympics and like far and away, she's still like my favorite female hockey player of all time. Like I just have so much respect for her. Talk about someone that reinvented themselves like a four time gold medalist. And then she's like, goes and is an emergency <laughs> doctor. Like you have proven yeah. yourself once again. Um, I really think that the PWHL, you, you know, you talk about original six teams, ha ha ha. That's where the NHL started too. And yeah. one of the things that I really like is the fact that there are going to be 
you know, young kids that grow up and they won't, hopefully, this league lasts, hopefully they never remember a time when there wasn't like a women's league. Right? right you can't you know there's an old chinese prophecy you know it when you're thirsty it's too late to dig a well and it's true in mm. in in a perfect world this league would have been created 20 years ago and we would have as many people going into the hockey hall of fame as there are men and that we're just not there yet and so all people like you and i can do is try to bring more voices and elevate the voices that are important and try to elevate the sport that we love so much when it involves a demographic that unfortunately hasn't got the screen time that the other main demographic gets and i for one like can't wait to have a couple kids and and for them to see how hard how hard it is to play and that you can play too even if you're a girl and that you can have success and you can have a career as a professional athlete in mm -hmm. a sport that is so male dominated and has been for so long um yeah i think it, it's you know again this will change help change the face of of hockey um so I think my like request of, of everybody is if if you like the idea, then also, you know, start start watching, start paying attention, start amplifying, um, because we need this to succeed. Yeah, absolutely. And so the only way that we can do that is by talking about it. So obviously we spent a lot of time talking about you and and <laughs> what's coming up in the other sides of hockey. Um uh Real, really quick before we jump into chat, if you want to get your questions in for Tara, please do so. Now we're going to be answering those in just a quick minute. Um, I know that you said you don't follow the Leafs, but you did grow no, up in Canada. Well, I don't not. Like, I, I follow well, you don't... because, I mean, I follow I'm on all the Canadian hockey sites. So, of course, I follow the Leafs. I just, like, I don't, you know, don't follow it the way I follow the Sharks at this point. Well, I mean, that's because the Leafs don't pay you. Which is reasonable. <laughs> if you follow yeah. the Leafs as much as you follow the Sharks, I would be like, Tara, I think we need to talk about you, your time management because, yes, my goodness. Exactly. Um, as someone, obviously, that loosely follows the Leafs, we'll say loosely follows the Leafs, as you, in comparison to last season, where do you think that they are in terms of, like, their structure? Like, may, again, maybe this is just Leafs fans overly reading into it, but do you feel like the small moves that they did make over the summer, are you... Are you convinced that they're going to be better or less good in the playoffs or maybe the same? I, I think it's early. I think it's too early to right. tell. And I do think that they need, you know, some of the people that could end up stepping up haven't yet. Um, like everybody's talking about the new faces, Tyler Bertuzzi, I think in particular, mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of hype about him coming in. Max Domi has potential, um, hasn't uh, fulfilled it everywhere he's gone. So it's I think it's it is really early days and you know goaltending has to be solid right like sure. that's just the bottom line and, and a lot of teams are currently having that particular whoa like you gotta yeah. have that person or you know if you're lucky a tandem but you gotta have that that number one who just who can win games for you um so yeah I don't know I really don't know. I think the Leafs, I, there's there's all the potential in the world. Like, look at, the, they've just got so much firepower. But, yeah. They can, it's it's clear they can. They do have the ability to score their way out of problems. A little bit like the Edmonton Oilers. Maybe not to the same degree as Edmonton. I mean, as someone that lives in the West Coast, I'm sure 
Edmonton haunts your dreams more than it haunts mine these days. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, is the Leafs have the ability to turn on and be able to score goals in bunches like some other teams in the league are able to do. I know Vegas is good with that. I know Edmonton is obviously famous for that. But we don't have the backstop, you know, that say, even though Logan Thompson isn't exactly a world beater, right now he is. And sometimes it's not just about how your team's playing, but it is about your goalie too. And uh, I know, who's your starting goalie right now in the Sharks? Mackenzie Blackwood, and who's your other starter? McKen- well, we have Capo Kakinen, but he's right. been injured. So right. he's back He's back skating, so I don't know who gets the start tomorrow. And then they brought up this kid um, who's a Denver graduate, uh, Magnus Krona. He's up with the team right now. So it's, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. Mackenzie Blackwood had a really strong start. Actually, both both goaltenders have been okay, and then uh, the everything fell apart. So yeah, it's hard. It's hard to know <laughs> where to place blame at this point. Just everything fell apart. Well, and you guys have so much money on like hung up on LTIR. I didn't realize how much cap space you have on LTIR until I was actually like on the podcast yesterday, and I was like, oh, oh no, I'm so sorry. Logan Couture in and up alone is what nine mil on on the yeah. cap. Oof. Yeah, we don't know, and there's no timeline for his return either. So. Right. Well, wishing him the best if you happen to see him. Uh, so let's get to some of the questions in the chat. So, uh, la 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 la. <laughs> also, please, guys, if you're watching, please make sure you hit like and subscribe. Share this if you like it. If you know, if you happen to know a Joy Drop fan, say hey. I know a podcast that they were on earlier this night. Um, so uh, the game is 4-1, the dangerous. Oh, gosh. what Based on what you saw tonight, would you make any immediate blue line trades or changes or keep the roster and hope for the best? No. No, I do. I Yeah, I think the if anything needs shaking up, I mean, you know, goaltending can, I think, there's the potential for it to to be solid, but obviously, like you were saying, Samsonov not playing well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the blue line is leaky. <laughs> so, and you know, I think there's this is a team where there's a lot of of pressure um, to to do something, do something visible, make mm-hmm. moves, maybe um, different than than other markets. Um, I don't know that the Leafs are ever given the grace of like waiting something out. Yeah, the Leafs are nothing if not reactionary, right? Definitely a lot of, like, bouncing knees, knee-jerk reactions happening. Uh, I think most people probably want to fire John Klingberg into the sun. Yes, has, they definitely do. Has John Klingberg I, been a world beater? No, but this is kind of what we expected coming in. It's Yeah, I mean, it is, It's again, it, it's early, mm-hmm. um, and this team has to find a way to knit together. You know, another question um, is going to be, like how Trilliving reacts, right? I, he's a different GM. So that's, uh, we'll see what they do. You know, he may hang on. He may there, hang- But there's already, right? There's yeah. I mean, again, because Toronto is under such a magnifying glass, and, and fair enough, like it is self-inflicted, right? Like we do this to ourselves. For goodness sake, the Leafs have a winning record and we're sitting here being like, who do we need to trade on the blue line? But- I think I think the Leafs right now, because they have so much money tied up 
in their in their core five. I'm not even going to say four because Morgan Riley is a part of that now. It yeah. seems like they have one hand on like the leaking side of the boat, and they only have five fingers to plug up the other holes. And every time they plug up one, okay, well now we have one good goaltender, but mm. the other one's not doing well. Well now, you know, we still have a couple of good defensemen, but it's not what it was last year. And it seems like we're playing this kind of like. You're, you're, it's like you're playing bingo yeah. with a constantly relighting card. Like there's, it goes from one problem to another, and no team has no problems in the NHL. It's just the reality of it. And I do think that it's too early in the season to make a trade. Like, could they make a trade? Sure. Do they make a trade that's going to benefit them and they're going to win? Probably not. I don't see too many teams like lining up to help out Brad for living and his new team of the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? Like. <laughs> Even if you were to no, go, I don't to the... think anybody wants to help. Them no, ever. I mean, at the best of times, no one wants to help the Leafs, let alone when they're losing. That's what most of the league likes to see is them lose. Um, and so I think to answer your question from the chat, I think that it's I do think it's too early to move anybody. I think that there is a chance, like you said, Tar, at the beginning of the stream, that all of these players have a resurgence and they turn around and their whole season picks back up, right? Like, we got another 70 games to go here, folks, before the end of the season, before we even get to the playoffs. So let's not uh, jump off the Titanic while she's still mostly above water. Let's try and stay on the boat as long <laughs> as possible. Um, oh SDPN, do you keep knives on the top line? Yes. 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 Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, that looked good. He's been the best look that they've had so far on that line this season. And it's just playing nice and simple. Don't overcomplicate it. I feel like, again, I don't know how many of the Leafs games you've watched. I know you said you followed loosely. But it seemed like when Tyler Bertuzzi was on the the line with Matthews and Marner, he was trying too hard. Not even like gripping a stick too hard. Just trying to make too many complicated plays right. but the small plays that he made tonight like he goes in front of the net he takes out i think it was anthony sorelli and then they go into the corner and he's holding his stick in such like a smart clever way so that he can't access the puck but he doesn't get a holding call right he's not actually doing anything bad and then bing bang boom and the leafs score right away so i think that that's that line has looked the best that it has so far this season i think that if keith does anything but staple him to the left side of austin <laughs> Matthews, then there are probably yeah. going to be a long fan of Leaf fans outside of the Ford Performance Center ready to ask him some very tough questions. Yeah, um, the line's not changing anytime soon. No, definitely, definitely not. Um, and I think that it's pretty clear after today that even though we're trying to do a tandem thing, I don't know if Samsonov is really what we want him to be. Didn't look great. And that, you know, I mean... Listen, that can also turn around. A lot yep. of that stuff is mental. And, you know, we've seen careers um, absolutely do 180s. I can't imagine anything harder, frankly. You know, once you start getting into your own head, um, that was a Jack Campbell problem. Yeah. It's still a Jack Campbell problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. But, yes. You know, and listen, if you, if you have a solid starter and – the tandem thing is pretty new. Mm -hmm. um, but if you have a solid starter who can play a lot of your games, great. Yeah. You have to have that person. Right. And you have to be, you have to have a coach that's willing to play that person and give them a string of games. Yes. The, so far this season, it seems like it, well, it doesn't seem like Keith has kind of gone one, two, one, two, one, two, nice right. and even. Um, and in the games where even the Leafs have lost, but Joseph Wolves played, they've looked 
significantly better than they do in front of Samsonov. Again, I don't know if that's just like a confidence thing. Maybe they grip their sticks a little too tight and they they're trying to overthink everything when Samsonov mm-hmm. is a net. But like Samsonov, like you said, it's hundred percent possible that he turns around and turns into a world beater. Like it is possible. Last season he had a couple stretches of games where he was really solid. Was he someone that's gonna get you a shutout every night? No. Might he steal you a game every now and then? Sure. He's not gonna steal you a series though. But tonight, after you watch the first fifteen minutes of Ilya Samsonov play, and then you watch the second half, second two thirds of the game, where Joseph Wool has played as someone that's watched hockey for a long time, what do you see as the difference between those two players? Oh God, I don't think I watched closely enough to to know that. Um, I don't think I was paying attention to Wolves' body language enough. So you tell well, me. Fair enough. I mean, yeah. Uh, it just it, they he just looks a lot calmer. He looks like he's in a better right. position. He doesn't look like he overreacts. It seems to it seems like again to me as just a fan that someone watches probably too much hockey. Um, <laughs> It seems like Ilya Samsonov has to move a lot more to correct the ongoing mistakes that he's making when he's playing. Whereas Joseph Wool, like when he butterflies out, he completely covers the bottom of the net. It's wild how good he looks when the puck is behind the net. There's no hesitation. He has his he has his double stack down across the line and is just like, nope, I'm just gonna hang out here. So that's that's really good to see. Well, and if you're noticing that, I mean, obviously that's that's what they're gonna be working on him being out of position and and yeah. just not being centered and and being frenetic. Yeah. Um, but so, someone's yeah. gonna strap a bungee to the back of that guy's uh, back of that guy's jersey. <laughs> uh, someone in the chat, Bench Bertuzzi, he looks lost, not even playing or skating like an NHL player. Is he injured? it's an interesting question is he injured i think to some degree all hockey players are at least injured at some point all the time he started off the season injured and there hasn't really been any remedies for that and he hasn't played great since um does he get benched i don't know who would you take out of the you're gonna bench a five and a half million dollar player there it's it needs to either be for an injury or because someone's being moved because I can't imagine with somebody that's already struggling, benching them is going to help in that sense. Yeah. I mean, yes, if he's hurt, it's one thing. Um, if he's, I mean, the only, and the only reason a healthy scratch somebody is, you know, if their work ethic isn't up to snuff and that's, you know, that is sure. Maybe that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's hard to say, but yeah, he's, he, he is too high a price tag player. You, you need him to start. Can we swear? Yeah. On this? Let her shit, or get off, shit or get off the pot. Yeah. Right. Yep. But it, yes, you're right. If he's, if he's not, I, what, if he's not contributing though, and he is injured, you got to get him out because it's not helping anything yeah he, he may be hurting himself further and maybe even hurting the team i think i don't it think it, even i don't think team. it would be a stretch to say that his play so far has been hurting the team definitely yeah i don't think that's a stretch by any means and i think everybody would agree with you um well uh if anybody has any more questions i think we're probably going to wrap up the stream here um Tara, thank you for coming on today. It was such a joy to have you on. Um, if you do not follow Tara Sloan on Twitter, first of all, how dare you? Second of all, make sure you follow her. Make sure you go check out her podcast, The Undercurrent. It is available wherever you watch or listen to all of your podcasts. Um, 
obviously you can find Tara on Twitter. Like I said, following the Sharks, she is uh, works with NBC as well for the Sharks. And so even though I, I wish kind of that in hindsight, we could have brought you in for a Sharks game, but realistically probably wouldn't have been possible, right? You're probably super busy, even if they're on the road, I'm guessing. Uh, it depends. My, my schedule is kind of all over the place, but yeah, I'm not sure. Well, fair enough. Uh, but the, the game where the Leafs are here, I'm definitely working. Right. Well, you know, have a great time with that. I hope the Leafs uh, let you have a win. <laughs> because I actually feel kind of bad that we haven't been able to talk about any of the similarities between the Sharks and Leafs. Because unfortunately, I don't really think there's m- that many so far in this season. But it's still early. No. There's still time for the Sharks to make the playoffs. Listen, anybody can win in November. So, um, like I said... Thank you for watching Game Over. Uh, my name is Lauren. You can find the wonderful Tara Sloan on the other hand of the screen on Twitter. Um, please make sure you follow both of us everywhere you go. And uh, thank you for coming on. Have a great night, everybody. Leafs win 6-5 over Tampa Bay. Kelly Arncroke with the dagger. Suck it, Tampa. Have a good night, everybody. Game Over!